I'm Trevor Cummings, and these are my thoughts on money. Hello, and welcome to the Thoughts on Money podcast, what we like to call Tom. I'm Trevor Cummings, your host of the podcast and your author of the Thoughts on Money blog. I'm here with my colleagues and two good friends, Mr. Sean Latimer and Mrs. Leslie Ray. Welcome to the podcast. Hey. Back again. No birthdays to celebrate this week? No. No, no birthdays to celebrate this week. All right. It's Burger Friday. It's Burger Friday. Oh, it's, it's a, a thing. thing. Every Friday it's we get burgers. Why am I not part of it? Well, you, you we'll see you at 1230 for <laughs> Burger Friday. Um, today we're going to be talking about an article I wrote last night called For the Love of the Game. And I know some of our listeners or readers don't like basketball, and that's okay because I'm going to keep writing about it because I absolutely <laughs> love basketball. And I talked about when I was growing up, uh, my friend Andrew and I, who's my best friend, he had a hoop in his front yard, and we would go there every day and just shoot hoops and just have a blast and the great thing about his basketball hoop is that it was adjustable this part made me chuckle yeah no it's so we would adjust it down to like seven feet or eight feet and then we could dunk so we would reenact the shaquille o'neal dunk or whatever we saw on tv and uh we would joke around uh reenact our favorite plays and it was a blast um and i kind of joked around in the article but if you go down to playgrounds now it's very different. Kids are just jacking up threes. They're just and they jack- want to be Steph Curry. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the, the game has changed so much. So the things that kids celebrate now are three-point shots and, and different things like that. And the point I was trying to make is whether it's basketball or finance, we have a tendency as human beings to elevate these superstars, and then we mimic them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes uh, we don't always have the same skill set uh, or the same context That's to mimic them, but whether it's Steph Curry changing a generation of three-point shooters or Warren Buffett uh, impacting a, a generation of value investors, there is an impact of these superstars and how we try to emulate them. That's so true. And when you talk about it, the investment side, you know, you hear you know, common themes like, oh, value investing, you know, and then someone goes, oh, that makes a lot of sense. So I'll go find stocks that I believe are undervalued. And then they open up maybe an Excel spreadsheet or they Google how many stocks are there to invest in? And there's thousands and thousands of options. And they go, oh, this is a lot of work. Maybe maybe it's not as easy as it seems. That's true. Uh, It's the same with value investing and with uh, all kinds of advice that you see online. Um, I've been recently signed up for TikTok. Oh, yeah. And Uh I do that because I like to see what type of financial planning and investing advice people give with no context at all. And uh, people think they are genius because they did one good play. But the hard part is to actually keep it going on the long term. Are you going to start setting up some financial planning TikTok videos? Are you going to be talking? TikToking? I've not done anything. (laughs) But I could. It would be fun. Well, I think you bring up an excellent point because one of the ways I think our culture elevates people is social media. Absolutely. Like we even have social media stars now. And I don't know what it is in the human DNA, but I feel like we always have to have a hero to represent some sort of category. Right, Warren Buffett for investing, Mother Teresa for charity, we or Elon Musk for innovation. There has to be that figure that we're elevating and following. And what happens with social media is you actually get to hear what that person's opinions are. So now I get a lot of emails from clients saying, hey, this famous investor, whether it's Ray Dalio, the mm-hmm. hedge fund manager, or Michael Burry from uh, The Big Short, they said this this week. 
what does this mean to me? How does it impact me? Should I respond to this? And it becomes really difficult because one of the things I mentioned in the article is sometimes you can hear comments without context and you don't know how to apply those things. Yeah, that's true. And uh, you mentioned kind of this kind of funny side note, but the social media stars, you know, they some of these people, they have millions and millions of views of tons of different videos. And I, I recently saw this might be like a red flag indicator for the finance world, but most of them are getting involved in venture capitalism or investment committees and they're starting investment funds like bars. I don't know if I'm going to say Barstool, but they, they're talking about maybe starting their own ETF. And when you see these things, it's like, oh, wow, I, I just have the alarm in the back of my head going off that investing is easy. Anyone can do it. Social media stars can do it. I guess the funny side note is I, I saw one of them uh, – I don't know him very well, but on TikTok, he's like super famous. So and I'm not the only one on TikTok. No, huh? I, and I, we well, have I, I recognize well, that they're talking, <laughs> Man, I'm getting they were, old. They were talking about it on Box Business and they were interviewing him. I think I think Charles Payne was interviewing him. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, wow, I wonder if he's like nervous at all that he's on TV talking about something that's probably not his expertise. And then I, it brought me back, back to reality. This person's famous because tens of millions of people follow him on, on doing his day-to-day, whatever he does on TikTok. He's probably not nervous at all that a bunch of finance people that watch Fox Business all day or care about what he thinks. And so, I don't know. It's pretty interesting to think about that. Confidence goes further than intellect, I suppose. I guess that goes with a lot of things. Yeah. And one of the things that I said is kind of troubling is when uh, folks are emailing me these things with these questions, which I think are good questions, there's a, there's a common place between my clients and I. We both have a curiosity. We want to understand how uh, the financial world works. Now, I suppose this is obvious because I spend all my working days uh, focused on it. And even in my free time, I like to read um, that I am going to be kind of a a sage for them to kind of guide them. But both of us have that same curiosity. So I read a lot of the same things that they read and try to digest what those things mean. Where I think that they miss sometimes, though, anybody, is that when you read something in passing, you're taking it at face value And you don't always peel back the layers to understand what does somebody mean when they're actually saying that. So if Warren Buffett recommends XYZ, but then in his own portfolio, he does ABC, how do you reconcile that? And I wanted to give a really simple example of a controversial topic, I think, in finance, and that was annuities. And uh, you mentioned watching Fox Business. If you watch financial television, you're bound to see a commercial where there's a gentleman, a founder, a famous founder that comes on TV and he says he hates annuities. He literally says that I would rather die and go to hell than ever sell an annuity. That is a drastic statement. (laughs) If I have trust in that person or I elevate that person, what do I take from that statement? I would avoid annuities like the plague if Mm -hmm. I'm going to take just from that statement. Again, I'm a reader of finance uh, literature. If you go read financial journals or you listen to academics, you then get a different opinion. There's a lot of academics, and I can mention some, maybe some that you've never heard of, but will advocate for using an annuity and how it can solve for a financial plan. So then you ask yourself the question, how do I reconcile this? That one person says that they absolutely hate them. That person is well-known perhaps used to be well-respected. And then the other side, from an academic standpoint, they're saying it's a great resource for a financial plan. And that's what I want to discuss with you guys a little bit today, is what do those two people mean when they make those statements? What was your reaction to that? Well, I think, first of all, my opinion is 
annuities are a tool in a toolbox. So um, I don't have any favorite tools, but I think every tool is useful for certain situation for certain clients. So in our industry, we always have this answer, it depends, because everything is customized to the person. Now, when someone make a strong statement like, I hate annuities and I would rather die than sell an annuity, um, that person is trying to make a strong set statement, grab attention and get people to follow whatever he is selling or is promoting himself. More marketing than substance. Yes, and people have a hard time differentiating what is marketing or um, just promotional versus uh, education, facts that will actually apply to their situation. And that's the problem with following gurus and social media tips and Twitters. Even Twitter is not a lot of words. Um, someone can tweet something about a stock and then people are going to go buy it. But then they don't have any context, nothing. And it may not apply to their own situation. Can I pull on that thread a little bit? I, I agree with you that it's more marketing than substance. But is there any validity in what he's saying? And maybe another way to ask it, not even validity. Where does that statement come from? What experience has he had that has driven him to make that strong of a statement? So historically... Annuities had high fees, uh, not very transparent, and people selling annuities overhyped them, I will say. Uh, so that was in the past. Nowadays, we have better products and newer products um, that could actually fit a client's plan. I don't say that we need to recommend an annuity every time, but I do say that people have past experience that define their view of the world and they take that for granted and for the truth. But um, like you read all the time, Sean, you read all, all the time as well. I do too. Uh, because for our industry, everything moves so fast. They're Evolving, changing. Everything changes. So if you're stuck in the past, you're going to keep your beliefs. But um, if you say you're completely against annuities, you're not going to look at what's new in that field and could actually apply and change a new product that changes uh, the way the fees are charged, the, the way it's promoted. And um, I do think that these people are just stuck in their ways and they, they need to evolve and they need to look at the future. And I want to hand that over to you, Sean. Um, we said that in the past there's a bad reputation historically because of things like illiquidity, because of expenses, because of uh, non-transparency, mm -hmm. because of commissions. Are there still bad actors out there that do those type of things, Sean, that you run into? Of course. I mean, I, I feel like any financial incentive drives behavior. And, and uh, what's that saying? You know, when you're a hammer, everything starts to look like a nail. And, and sometimes it, it's not the person or the agent's fault. You know, the organization they work for maybe has taught them that that is the solution, whether it's annuity or a life insurance policy, for most people's goals. And when you combine that with high compensation... I'm sorry, if there's a product that's paying someone 5 or 6% commission up front to sell on large dollar amounts, it's it's going to be sold by, I guess, good and bad actors. And I, I think Leslie did a great job kind of describing you know, that. The answer, I can't tell you how many times I get the question where people say, hey, for someone who's in my situation or has this much money, what do you do for all your clients that are in my, tip, uh, my situation? And they hate it when I say it's different for everyone, but it really is. So it, I kind of like this article because it, it takes a controversial topic where 
people have differing opinions. Wait, wait, wait. You kind of like the article? Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> but they, the idea is that there's going to be different opinions on almost any type of product or tool in the investment world. And you're right, it is evolving, which does change the dynamics where they are less expensive, where it changes the liquidity profile. And I'm sure if you ask people who maybe had a bad opinion about them in the past and you told them, hey, if this changed about it or if that changed, would that change your opinion? And I have a feeling that most people would say, well, yeah, maybe, because those are the things I don't like about it. So so there's value there to pulling on that thread and understanding what this person means beyond kind of the hatred that they're they're describing. And the things that I'm drawing from you guys is saying that, hey, when you interact with a financial advice giver, you want to make sure that their incentives align with your incentives. Because if not, that can cause issue. You want to have a pure understanding of what you're purchasing, because sometimes if you proceed with some level of ignorance, um, it can be detrimental in the future. Another thing you're saying is that expenses matter. Um, But let's go back to what an annuity is, and not that the topic of this article or even this conversation is about annuities, but it's more about how do we take these statements and break them down to their first principles to get a good understanding of how we make financial decisions for our own uniqueness, for our own situation. So maybe you can speak to that, Leslie. What is an annuity? What what is it? What is its intent or purpose? We we've understood how it can be perversed from a sales perspective, but what was the intent of the product? The intent of the product is to um, produce a series of payments uh, for the person and guarantee that that person will not run out of money in the long term. So it can solve for longevity. If you don't know how long you're going to live and you're very nervous about investing for that longevity. You can have a um, single premium annuity, and then you will get that series of payment until your death. So it provides some stability in your plan. Uh, some people choose to do that with a portion of their portfolio. Um, and there's pros and cons to everything. So this is the concept of the annuity. So I know that I have to have car insurance to drive, right? And mm-hmm. the purpose of that car insurance is that if, God forbid, something happens it could cover a large unexpected expense. So if an annuity is insurance, what is it insuring against or what is it covering? Well, I think one thing that's not talked about too is we love saying, well, it depends. But it really does because if someone is risk adverse and maybe they aren't going to be able to be behaviorally coached through market volatility, then maybe having the proceeds invested in generating income is not a solution for them. And if they know that they will maybe... uh, end the relationship with an advisor at some point because of volatility or go to cash multiple times throughout their lifetime, then maybe an annuity is a solution because then they don't have to think about it or worry about it. Yeah. But going back to the understanding of it, what you're insuring against, and I think you mentioned it, Leslie, is this idea of longevity, Mm -hmm. is that there could be a chance, God forbid, that you would outlive your nest egg and that you would no longer have a source of income. So whether it's Social Security or whether it's a pension, or whether it's an annuity, it's kind of all trying to solve for the same thing. And that gets us to a place where we'll discuss why do academics love annuities? And I shouldn't say a broad statement that says all academics, but I will tell you, I read a lot of content, I listen to a lot of interviews, and if I know somebody's coming from a background where they run a financial planning department at a university or something like that, a lot of the time they're going to bring up single premium, uh, 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 single premium, 
Annuity. Annuity, sorry. Yeah. My brain is... I'm a, a SPIA. I'm missing the index. I. In, no, not index. A, a single premium... Immediate uh, annuity. Immediate annuity. Yeah. Golly, what's going on with my brain today? Anyway, so now we got that out. Tre- Trevor's really good at what he does, we promise. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. So um, the reason that they recommend these things is because where our first person we talked about has seen bad experiences in the industry the academic side is going to sit down and do a lot of calculations. Mm -hmm. They're going to do a Monte Carlo simulation, which is finding out the probability that somebody won't outlive their nest egg. And they're going to start to realize when you introduce guaranteed and linear income streams, man, it can increase those probabilities really well. So then the truth we can start to grab from that is like, okay, one person said, be careful for bad actors. Be careful for overpaying for something and be careful for buying something that might not fit your goals. Now we have the academic side that says, hey, there's huge value to having sustainable income Mm -hmm. for your investment plan. Now, I will say that it's rare, if ever, that I've, I've recommended an annuity. I don't personally own one, but I get to that same solution with something like dividend growth. Not to say that they're the exact same. But again, going back to first principles and what we're trying to solve for, this idea that there's value in a cost-efficient, sustainable, growing income stream, it makes sense. Now I understand why these two parties disagree, and I understand where they're coming from. One is coming from a level of experience of seeing things oversold, and the other is coming from an experience of sitting behind a calculator and seeing the benefit of stable, linear income. And one more thing, as I think Leslie mentioned earlier, it's marketing and it causes intrigue. And when you have a polarizing opinion and it's to the extreme, that's what sells people. Mm-hmm. And if, cause if you had, think about it, if there's a commercial that said, Hey, it might work. It might not. <laughs> Let's meet and talk about your goals and figure it out. That doesn't sound very exciting. So I, I don't disagree with you. And obviously there's folks that do that same thing as a gold bug or, or whatever what I, the world's right. ending. I, I, yeah, I absolutely don't agree. I, I don't disagree with you, but I will say with whenever one of those statements is made, uh, yes, it's marketing, but it's tugging on somebody's threads, right? Yeah. So what does that mean? There's probably a lot of people that have been taken advantage of, mm-hmm. and that resonates with those people. True. So I think it's worth kind of kind of doing that discussion and understanding where that comes from. True. Mm-hmm. What was your opinion, Leslie, on the academic side? Because um, I, I will say, maybe I'll give it after you, but I resist a little bit of some of the things that they say because I know that it works in a spreadsheet. But I think sometimes when you're doing everything in a spreadsheet, when you're not adjusting what expenses are for different lifestyle and things like that, um, I think it can be more academic than practical. So I understand both sides because I also run financial plans and Monte Carlo analysis all the time. I've done that for a long time. And, of course, when you introduce a a stable pension in the plan, um, it performs way better. And that's because you take out some of the volatility and the potentials for for problems in the market and low return in your portfolio, etc., and so I understand that on paper, if you run that with a single um, premium immediate, immediate annuity. <laughs> I did it to you. It's <laughs> contagious. <laughs> what is that? Because you want to say indexed or yeah. individual. Yeah. Like, what does that I stand for? <laughs> so if you run with one of those, a pension, an annuity, a social security, a large social security amount, um, it will look better. But the 
our job or my job as a director of financial planning and yours as well as uh, ad- wealth advisors is to interpret the data. So I think that's where we differ with the academics. The academics, they look at the data and say that's what the data says, but we have contact with clients and we can look at the, in real life, how does that apply? So I understand that academically it will give a better Monte Carlo probability of success of the plan and it's safer, it's more stable, but in real life, the client will lack uh, liquidity if they have a catastrophic health event, for example, or if something else happens, they will have their pros and cons and it may not actually fit their situation. And so our job is to interpret the data with the context around it. Here again, academics have the spreadsheet, but you don't have the client's life and that context around it that you need to add. Yeah, there's this gap between practice and theory. And then I don't want to be morbid or, or, or joke about this, but uh, it, it's almost like if, if you go to somebody's eulogy, you're, you're not going to hear them say like, oh man, you should have seen this guy's Monte Carlo. It was just <laughs> such a good it was beautiful. outcome. It was beautiful, right? Because we know that life throws curveballs. We know that things happen. Um, we know that we need to be able to pivot to be flexible. Even if there is solutions that can reduce variability, it doesn't always mean that that's the best solution. And again, I didn't want to make this conversation about annuities. I didn't want to make this article about annuities. I just wanted to encourage people when you have somebody giving you advice, whether it's in 140 characters on a tweet, whether it's in a TikTok video, it's okay to digest that advice. But what I want you to do is before you take action, I want you to understand what they actually mean. And furthermore, I want you to think and kind of research what do they actually do with their own money? And what is their situation? If you're taking advice from a billionaire, there's a good chance that you're not a billionaire. And your unique goals, the aspirations that you have, the parts that make you you and your financial plan you are very different. So taking off-the-cuff soundbite advice from somebody and trying to apply it into your life plan, your financial plan, is probably not a good idea. And I joke about it in the article, but it's absolutely true. I don't try to go out on the basketball court and do the things that Steph Curry does because I'm not Steph Curry. Does that mean I don't watch the games? I do. Does that mean I don't enjoy watching the highlights? I do. It just means that I don't try to recreate them in my own life because sometimes you have to separate the difference between entertainment and the practicality of what's important to you. Anything you guys want to add to that? I'll just want to add, you also need to be careful of who you are taking advice from. So some people are qualified in their field, but they are not qualified in all fields. So when they start diversifying, you have someone, an influencer, it's very good at marketing, but they are not a finance person, which I've seen on TikTok in my research. And um, you have to look at who is that person, what are their qualifications, and why would that advice uh, be taken from that person? Yeah, and you kind of have to separate this idea that Sean and I talk about a lot, the difference between sizzle and substance. Mm -hmm. And you have to ask yourself a really hard question. Am I attracted to this person because they're a good orator or they're charismatic? Or is there something that they're saying that, man, that just overlaps with my financial plan and the objective I'm trying to achieve? Yeah, well said. it's, uh, It's unfortunate that people are typically in a vulnerable position when they're looking for financial advice when a life event happens, whether it's an inheritance or 
they retired earlier than they thought. Now they have this nest egg and they have to decide what are we going to do for the next 30 years? And it is difficult to separate salesmanship with a practical plan that's going to be sustainable and help them for the rest of their lives. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, well said. Uh, we'll put a period on it there. We'll ask our listeners to rate the podcast, leave your comments, and of course, you can always send an email to tom at thebonsagroup.com. We would love to hear your feedback on conversations you'd like us to have or any questions that you have about the things that we discussed. And of course, we will be back next week with more of our Thoughts, Thoughts on, on Money. money. Yeah. Bonson Group is registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there is no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance and is not a guarantee. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced herein are from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analysis, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. The team and Hightower shall not in any way be liable for claims and make no expressed or implied representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the data and other information, or for statements or errors contained in or omissions from the obtained data and information referenced herein. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced. Such data and information are subject to change without notice. This podcast was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of the team and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates. Hightower Advisors do not provide tax or legal advice. This material was not intended or written to be used or presented to any entity as tax advice or tax information. Tax laws vary based on the client's individual circumstances and can change at any time without notice. Clients are urged to consult their tax or legal advisor before establishing a retirement plan.